The views expressed on this broadcast of the Carol Ann Preston Show do not necessarily reflect KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. The hosts, co-hosts, and affiliates do not represent any particular 12-step program. I sit and wait as an angel Contemplate my faith Do they know the places where we go when we're gray and old? Cause I have been told that salvation lets their wings unfold. So when I'm lying in my bed, Thoughts running through my head And I feel that love is dead I'm loving angels instead And through where Oh, she offers me protection A lot of love and affection Whether I'm right or wrong And down the waterfall Wherever it may take me She won't forsake me I'm loving angels instead Welcome to the Carol Ann Preston Show on Relationships, a weekly show exploring the challenges and opportunities we face with each other as we walk through recovery. Author, relationship counselor, and recovered alcoholic Carol Ann Preston shares her personal experience and professional insight as she answers your questions and reveals the solutions found in our spiritual journey of the 12 steps. And now, here's your host, Carol Ann Preston and the Monty Man. And yes, and here we are, Carol Ann Preston and the Monty Man, together with you once again here in this fabulous world of recovery. Hi, Carol. Hey, Monty, and hello, listeners. It's good to be back again. And uh, before before we start, I do want to put a plug out for, uh, and this is an email address, listeners. Listen clo- closely. Recoveryworld at charter.net. That's C-H-A-R-T-E-R. Recoveryworld at charter.net. The reason I want you to know that is because this is an organization, Recovery World, uh, that wants to get big books out to people that don't have the money for them, all right? Wow. If, if you've got a big book out there and it's sitting on your shelf or an, you know, an extra one, or... If you just simply aren't using it and you're not going to use it and you got that attitude or whatever and you think just listening to this show is going to get it, if you're going to use it, give it to somebody that will. And Because I know folks like, in fact, I know a couple people that listen to this show and they got a big book and they're not working their program. And if you're one of those, give it to somebody that is. Most of you I know are, but if you, if you can get one, you go to a, a bookstore, and maybe you've seen one at a bookstore, a uh, used bookstore, and it's just sitting there for a couple of dollars. Pick it up and let, let these folks know, and uh, they want to make sure they can get it to people. They get so many requests for big books from people that can't afford it. They can't keep up with it. And, of course, they, they're just a couple of folks, just like we are here, um, that are trying to be self-supporting too, so they could use your help. Recoveryworld at charter.net. And you can go to the main page at take12radio.com and you'll see the uh, the banner. It says, uh, Big Books Needed ASAP. That's wonderful. Yeah. I remember coming in that um, somebody didn't have the money for a big book. There was always somebody that says, you know what, this one's on me. Sure. And someday... You can do this for somebody else. Yep. And there's just not a lot of that. There's the 12-step work today is just not as active um, as it once was. Right. Right. It's just not. Yeah. So that's that's wonderful. I pray that God blesses this program, uh, this ministry, and and there are. I mean, it's hard to imagine. You know, when when you can pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And you have some excess that you can't. It's hard to imagine if you've not been there that you don't have um, 
ten dollars. I don't know how much a big book is now. <laughs> Five ninety-five, whatever. Whatever, it yeah. Uh, it's hard to imagine that you don't have the money. It, mm-hmm. it really is, mm-hmm. unless you've been. There. Unless you've been and, there, yeah. and I and now I was. I remember um, uh, uh, being in a in a meeting with with some women and talking to my sponsor, and I didn't have five dollars to pick up my prescription. Sure. Five dollars, and you should have seen this big house we were living in, but it was still paycheck to paycheck. And mm-hmm. and she's like, "Here it is." And I'm like, "I can't take your money," because I knew I knew where her situation was. And she said, "You do it for some. You pay me back by doing this for somebody else." Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there are people that really do. Uh, account for every nickel and dime they have because they have to. Sure, sure. I well, I remember saying, "How much could a bar of soap cost?" You know, right? And uh, <laughs> until I was there and realized, you know, and there, there, there's just so much. I mean, just well, go get a job. Well, guess what? I don't have a bicycle. I don't have a car. Can't you know, afford the gas. I can't. I can't afford the gas. Um, I've, I've asked three, four people for rides, and they're they're all working during the time. It's not that easy. Well, you'd walk that far to get your drugs. Yeah, but guess what? I don't do drugs today, and today I'm taking care of myself, and I've got to. And your you self esteem. Yeah. It, we'll do a whole other show on this. Is that <laughs> you know when you have been looking for a job for a while, and your self esteem has not recovered to where you believe you are of value because. Uh, God created you, and you are at this time and moment. You have value. Um, until you know that, man, it's hard it's to hard. get a job and to go in there and convince somebody that hire me. I'm worth. I'm worth investing in when you don't believe it yourself. Yep, it is. So it is, you know, yeah. we just it goes back to. <clears throat> Um, practicing the principles of uh, compassion and mercy and leaving judgment to someone better qualified. There you go. And I'll give you just a little tickler about uh, tradition, too, is um, that's how we run our family. You know, when, when, when kids, especially teenagers, you know, go through uh, a period, all children as they develop, um, push boundaries because they are growing. Yep. Okay. It's like, wow, I can walk, and now I'm gonna go play in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now I can ride my bike, and oh, I cross the street. No, that's a boundary. So they push limits to expand their world. Mm-hmm. It's just that when they become teenagers, we think that's rebellion. And what they're doing is they're doing the same thing they did when they were kids. It's just, it's a bigger world. Yeah. And sure. the consequences sometimes of crossing those boundaries and pushing the boundaries can, we take it personal as adults as they're doing this to me. And, you know, there is nothing more frustrating than to live in a household that is a controlling atmosphere where you have no voice, which goes back to tradition one. Everyone has a voice and can think, act, and do, okay? Yep. And tradition two, though, says there's one ultimate authority, a loving God who may express himself through this family. Sure. So there's a whole nother, there's a whole different uh, feel, if you want to call it. There's a different spirit when mom or dad is the head and, and, you know, is the ultimate authority of that home. Yeah. That does not feel good when... When there's a problem or there's a confrontation and the family decision is God is the one who is the ultimate authority, then the action would be we have a problem, then we as a family are going to go to the ultimate authority. We're going to pray. 
about the situation yeah. as a family. And hopefully, hopefully, the father, if there's a father, or the mother, if it's a single family home, or maybe it's a father, it's a single family home, is going to be in tune with God enough to be able to to be the mouthpiece for God. Um, but it, it, it is very difficult when when God isn't in the picture and. I am the say-all, do-all, and the last word for everything, and you will do what I say kind of attitude, and it just doesn't You know, fly. and you're going to get more rebellion. Yeah. So, so sure. that's what we're going to talk about that next week. But well, actually, we're, actually, we're going to be, actually, it'll be week after next. Week after next. Yeah, this show, folks, will, will broadcast for two weeks, two Saturdays, because I will be gone out of state. I'll be in Rutland, Massachusetts, covering the Sober and the Sun. So this will run for two weeks, so. Right. We'll be back with Tradition 2 week, uh, Saturday after next. And prepare yourselves by reading uh, 12 and 12, Tradition 2, and, and reflect upon it, if you will, for the next couple of weeks. How, you know, what's so interesting is that just like each of the 12 steps um, plays off of the one before, okay? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a building Right. Building steps. Okay. So are the traditions. Sure. Each tradition builds upon the next. Or the next builds upon the one that came prior to it. And so tradition one, again, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. And we talked last week about our common welfare. And, again, um, there is no dictator our common welfare, you need to outline and, and write down what your common welfare as a family is, as a, as, a, as a marriage is, what is your common welfare, okay? And practicing the principle <clears throat> as the family is encouraged to practice the same set of principles that the recovering addict is or alcoholic um, and this, so everyone is accountable to practicing a set of spiritual principles, then to do so, uh, or to not do so, would threaten the common welfare of the family. Okay? So, yeah, I can think for myself, and so if I'm a teenager, or if I'm, a, if I'm the wife, and it's like, okay, am I going to have an affair, or am I going to go and spend our savings on a gambling or uh, on myself or, you know, am I going to do something in secret? Those aren't practicing the principles. And that will, that decision, though you're free to make, will threaten the common welfare of your family. So you really have to be committed to for the survival of this family. And I'll tell you who's more invested in the survival of a family you know who that is the kids kids are when it comes down to the thread of the family breaking apart mm-hmm. the kids will do any they are willing to go to any lengths for that family to stay together yeah Unless there's violence and abuse going on. Unless um, it's, it's, a, it's a very um, abusive and non-safe household. And even if you've got an active addict, kids want their parents to stay together. Sure they do. So, yeah. the kid, you know, kids in a family really bring... If if they're recognized and listened to and acknowledged, they bring a lot to the common welfare. They have a lot to say. They have a lot of insight. And they are more apt to be honest um, if given the opportunity to be heard. So knowing that it's not a dictatorship, we're on the same page, We've, we, last week we talked about our common welfare, where the marriage and the finances and the kid, you know, we kind of went down to what the common welfare is going to be. And our personal recovery depends upon, depends upon, instead of AA unity, depends upon our family unity. 
Okay, so what is the personal recovery of this family? That's the question you're going to have to ask yourself. What are we recovering from? Well, off the top of my head, I'll just throw off throw off a few things. Uh, betrayal. Our personal recovery is healing from betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, broken trust. Um, I don't. Uh, you don't follow through with your commitments, and and a lot of it is on on the addict. Whether it's you know it's it's a whole nother functioning when the identified addict is um, a child, okay? But it plays out in the family system um, just like it would if the adult is the active addict, okay? Mm -hmm. If it's a child, you've got a parent who's in denial and is making excuses and justifying, and you've got the other one who, you know, mom or dad who stays at work and just avoids dealing with it. Right. And so it it looks different from one perspective, but it looks the same from another perspective. Everybody's got their roles of functioning. And and I want to throw this out here is that when you say, you know, dysfunctional family, is this family that is recovering and is uh, committed to their their healing, their unity, the the previous dysfunction has been about surviving and keeping this family together the only way they knew how. It's not about being crazy or sick or wrong or really messed up. It is about survival Mm -hmm. and the creativity to survive the very best you can with the tools that you have. Now you have a new set of tools. So what is our personal recovery? Okay, maybe the part of that personal recovery is um, uh, the healing, you know, write, write it down. What needs healing in this family? You have a family meeting and, and have everybody put in their, um, their perspective on what is this family's um, recovery. You know, personal recovery, each of us is recovering and, it's, and it depends upon our unity. We have to stay together or we're going to die separately. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay? So we've identified what our personal recovery is, and now what is the recovery of this family? So you might hear, um, you know, a trust. I don't believe you when you say you're going to do something. Okay, let's say this is coming from a kid who's 10. You know, Mom and Dad, you don't pick me up when you tell me you're going to pick me up because you've been at the bars drinking and you forget about me, and I have to find a way home, and I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So for my personal recovery, to trust you and for us to have unity, I need to be able to count on you that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Okay, so that could be one. Mm Mm-hmm. Another one, part of that uh, personal recovery, the individuals and the unity of this family, um, because our recovery depends on the family being unified, is dad's looking for a job or mom's looking for a job. And how does that play out with the unity? Okay, here's two different scenarios. One is going to be personal recovery, so i.e., a parent is looking for a job. That's personal recovery to be self-supporting for their contributions. And the unity depends upon the family's unity. So here's how one would play out. What do you mean you didn't look for a job today? What do you mean you didn't? Uh, What do you mean you didn't have an interview? Did you even go out? Did you even go talk to anybody? Did you knock on any doors? 
well, you know, I just, I, I need a day off. I, I mean, what do you mean you need a day off? We need, we need income. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to look for a job. This is just one more time you're not doing what you're saying. You know, I'm taking care of myself. I went to some meetings, and I talked to my sponsor, and I'm in a better place to go look for a job tomorrow, and I have things lined out. Okay, that's not unity. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's beating somebody up. I mean, we're talking but, about someone, though. That, I mean, it sounds to me like you're talking about someone that that has been doing their best and needs a break, and 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 the other person is just ragging on them. Exactly. Yeah. And out of fear. Right. Out of fear. So <laughs> their personal recovery is not in check. Mm-hmm. Fear. And and here's what unity would look like. You know, you're sitting at the family table and telling you not your day. Okay, dad, you know, dad or mom said, how, how did you go looking for a job today? Um, well, part of my recovery is to make sure that I'm in a good frame of mind. And I part of that is taking care of my self-esteem, taking care of myself so that when I go look for a job, when I knock on the door, I feel confident, I'm centered and trusting God. And so I went to a meeting today because I realized that I was not in a good place this morning. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get my head out of that, that dark place. So I went to a meeting, called my sponsor, spent some time with my sponsor, and um, read a book on, or, or read up on the companies that I'm going to, I prepared for interviews tomorrow, I read up on companies I'm going to go talk to tomorrow. And these are cold calls because I don't have interviews. So it takes a lot more, it takes a lot of courage just to go knock on the door and say, <laughs> I'd like to place an application. I'd like to uh, see if I can get an interview. That takes a lot. Whew, talking about digging down to the gut. Mm-hmm. Family says, you know, great, you took care of yourself. And we trust God. And we trust that you're taking care of your recovery it sounds like you're taking care of your recovery and the big book tells us that if you take care of your recovery god has a plan mm-hmm. and the way will unfold one step at a time that's my mantra that is a family that the personal recovery of the person who's say is obviously vulnerable because they're putting their self-esteem out there every day and the family is unified and so when mom or dad or whoever goes out to look for a job the next day Mm -hmm. what they're going to hear what they're going to experience is that support behind them they're not alone right that's the unity when the kid when you're when you're teenager and you're having again you're you're having dinner and personal personal recovery is also about making good choices that supports the principles of which are honesty, courage, willingness, keeping your side of the street clean. And let's say um your ninth grader goes to school and his friends are like, Man, I did not study for this test and I need you to let me see your paper and let me cheat and the unity is going to come when that ninth grader is thinking what to do can I go home and be open and honest or is this going to be a secret if it's a secret it's not going to support unity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if somebody wants a quick, how do I know, if it's a secret, it's not good because our secrets, what do they say, are, we are as sick as our secrets. Sick as our secrets, yep. That's right. And so the unity will come with, I'm going to sit down tonight, I have a choice to tell them about this and I can tell them I let this guy cheat and and make amends, which is I get to go tell a teacher and tell on myself, not necessarily tell who I you know because that's not cleaning up their side of the street. You're cleaning up your side of the street. 
or I can choose to hold to the principles of honesty and say, you know what, I'm really sorry that you didn't study for this test, but my integrity is the only thing I have. Mm-hmm. The only thing no one can take from me, because they heard that at home. Your integrity is who you are that no one can take from you unless you give them the power yeah, to destroy it. And, yeah. and, and simply say, you know, I, 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 I'd love to help you study next time, but I cannot put myself in a position to participate in cheating on this test. Mm-hmm. And knowing their friend's going to get mad. Why? Because they're not getting their way. They're not thinking about you. <laughs> and it's so it's so important that that to have the, to, to have successful just as heck with recovery. Just people that aren't even in recovery. Just to have a successful family that 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 is working together. That the adults are are an example of that you know they don't cheat and they they don't compromise one of the things that's how they see it money it's not what you say right it's what you do here's an example if they see mom or dad call and i'm gonna call in for the company you know and they hear you call and say you know my spouse can't come in today because they're sick and they see a mom or dad get up and go shopping or go play golf or, or sit around and they're not sick. Yeah. And that sends a message that, wow, I can lie to the authority. I can lie to authority. Sure, sure. I can, I can get away with it, you know? Hey. And it is. It does make a difference when you have that unity and that family has sat down and said, my recovery depends on the unity of this family. Our common welfare, which is to stay together as a family, comes first. And everyone, what is our recovery? What's, you know, what's your recovery? Your recovery is to develop trust with the parents. Our marital recovery depends, uh, our, our personal recovery is to build our marriage. So the kids see the parents go to counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay? And they're like, hey, go. <laughs> because they're, and the support, the unity is that support that, again, it goes back in Tradition 1 and it talks about, you know, that ship sinking and we either hang together, even if we don't like, you know, that mom or dad or the teenager, they, they're going to go out for coffee for a couple hours and they're not going to come home. We may not like it, but the unity and supporting their recovery is, you know, the family support. And we used to say this when I worked in the treatment center. Why do you think they have family programs? Yeah. Because you can take a someone under 18 and or, or younger, someone who's living at home, and put them in treatment. And if they're going back to the same functioning family, their chances are slim. Yeah, it's just like going back into the using environment again. Exactly. I, I wanted to say this. Uh, one of the two, two of the prime examples, uh, and one of them, I had to make a decision and 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 step up and make sure that I was following through with this myself. Um, one of the things that we had to do in our family, and I had to take the bull by the horns and and, and look at me first, is we absolutely do not want our kids watching R-rated movies and very and most most today PG-13 movies. Some of them are worse than the R's. And so and and so for the longest time when they were little it was like okay this is this is our plan this is they're not going to be allowed to watch those their friends when they go over to the friend's house the their friends is, their friends and their friend's parents are going to know that's what we don't approve of. And yet, when the kids are asleep, 
we're putting on Basic Instincts or, or, or one of these other films that's, yeah. that's R. If it's not right for the kids, it's not right for the parents. I don't care yeah. what anybody says. This whole thing about like in meetings, well, we don't want to cuss in a meeting if the kids are around. What makes you think that's good for the adult? You know, it's the, it is, and here's and so I had to I had to check that and I had to say you know what that's got to be good for all of us otherwise you know kids know they are gonna know here's the other one here's the other one we are raising a lot of kids today thinking that it is normal and right to depend on the government for their food for financial assistance and by by parents that are lying to adult family services programs. That are lying, and, and you know, I have I have people that I know in recovery who got big screen televisions, right? And and they're lying to to the the financial assistance programs. And guess who's paying for it? I am. You are. And they're lying. And their kids are watching this. What are and they doing? Getting paid under the table? Oh yeah. And the kid, what the kids are seeing is they're seeing it's okay to lie to this uh, the, to no. to the government. It's okay to do that. or. or Hey, this is where how this is how we get fed. We get these food stamps from the government. That's how it's that's the right way it's done. A lot of kids are being raised thinking that, and, and not just from the government, but they're they're the, you know if it's a good alcoholic family, sure, and the alcoholic is, and and the family is continually rescued. So right, the right. Al-Anon or the co-addict has to make no changes. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And because everybody's jumping in and paying the bills and and mm-hmm. taking care of the kid, taking care of everybody because they can't, you know, they need yeah. us as a community, and the community is enabling them. The family and the community is enabling them to not hold the addict accountable. That the reason that their finances are in such arrears is because. Um, they're towing weight that will not uh, get sober. And so do you leave the person? I mean, what do you do Mm -hmm. when, because these kids grow up victims Mm -hmm. because they were victims as children. They think it's normal, too. They they, they think it's it's victims, and and they'll come off as, I don't need any help. Mm -hmm. I don't want any help. But there's a manipulation that says, oh, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. So people, oh, let me help. No, I don't want, oh, let me help. Mm-hmm. And then when you help, and if you take that help away, man, they are hacked off. Yeah. They are, yeah. And, they, and, they're, and they go from one person to another using. Mm-hmm. They become dependent on... They have a facade of independence that underhanded is over-dependence. It's okay to help our neighbors. Right, right. I'm talking about dependence of why should I have to work when, (laughs) you know, the government's going to take care of me as long as I have kids. Oh yeah, and we and see. And I had a problem oh, yeah. with my girlfriend had uh, she had cancer mm-hmm. because she did not have children. Mm-hmm. She could not work. You know where that led her? She could not get any assistance. No assistance in 1986, and she died at 34. Wow! And thank God a friend could uh, allow her to move in with her. She could get no assistance for food stamps, for nothing. She couldn't work. She had, she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really, it was just so not right. Yeah. Um, but back, back to the unity is we do have a responsibility to teach our kids. And one of the things that it says, I love this in Tradition 1 on page 130, it says that, excuse me, um, my voice here. Realization, and this is a big wake-up call for not just the addict, but, you know, I keep seeing the, the teenagers uh, because I just think that they get such a bad rap. 
I, re- I really do. There are just, I, I have just, I've just haven't met a bad kid. Uh, you know, except on TV, I, I haven't met a bad kid. Misguided, maybe. Um, bad. Yeah, so, oh. so behaviors may be inappropriate. But when you get right or down anger, to the or, or anger, or whatever, but they're just not. God doesn't create bad. Right. Um, anyway, it says realization dawns that he is but a small part of a great whole, that no personal sacrifice is too great for preservation of the fellowship or preservation of the family. Mm-hmm. Now, remembering, because someone could read this and go, well, okay, we have family secrets, I can't break them. no. This is all based on that we're practicing the principles, okay? You can't have those traditions if you're not practicing the principles. Mm-hmm. So no sacrifice is too, no personal sacrifice is too great for preservation of the, um, and putting in the family or the marriage. That does not mean that if a child is being molested, that child is to stay quiet about it. Right. But th- that's not what this means. Okay? Because mm-hmm. I, can, I can hear someone, even in their adult life, that says, okay, the preservation, you know, uh, and the unity of our family and no personal sacrifice is too great, so I need to die with a secret. No, you don't. Right. That's not part of your recovery. Your, I, my recovery, because uh, when I came into recovery, there was no one in my family that was really excited about it, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> At all. And I could have read this and said, well, the preservation of my family is for me to drink. Huh. Okay, because sometimes they'd prefer you that way. Yeah. They don't want you exerting your confidence. They don't want you to have a voice. They want you to shut up and just drink so they can control you. Mm-hmm. And then they want your self-esteem underfoot. That's a real dysfunctional family, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a family who's practicing the principles of honesty. And the abuse that I went through as a child... It took me four or five years into my recovery, working with a professional and working the steps several times, and a sponsor before I could tell my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, and it had been enough time that I told them in a way that did not project responsibility onto them that did not give them details that would hurt them, okay? Mm -hmm. There is a way to, sometimes we all, families have secrets. All families have secrets. Who, that, especially where there's been active addiction. And a good place to deal with those secrets is in the office of a professional, uh, either a professional minister, uh, chaplain, or a professional counselor. So um, practicing the principles, the unity of the family supports personal recovery at all costs. So that's looking at it, at it backwards, okay? Instead of personal recovery depends upon unity, how about unity depends upon personal recovery? We can't have a unified family if, this, if each individual is not practicing personal recovery. Yeah. And personal recovery includes um, honesty, courage, willingness, integrity, service. Okay, so the unity of the family, when you sit down and you have a family meeting once a week, you can even as a family say, what is our service work going to be for the week? Mm-hmm. And that's in tradition. Uh, it's in one of the other traditions, you know, where you decide as a family on what your uh, service work is going to 
going to be. And right. the other thing that it says, it says it becomes plain that the group must survive or the individual will not. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, this is a family that's pro- applying the principles because if I had read this when I came in, the family will not must survive or the individual will not. Well, they didn't like my the fact that I was recovering. Right, sure. My personal recovery must come first. Must yep. come first. Yep. And a and lot of fam- a lot of families don't understand that. That's right, and you know, um, the personal and, and personal recovery depends upon unity. Do you know how many people relapse repeatedly? Because the unity at home doesn't support the recovery. And let me ask you this, Carol, though. One of the things that, that I've said, and that this is how it applies at at, uh, at the level of the fellowship, of my 12-step fellowship, I have said, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I have said before, I am so grateful that my personal recovery does not depend on the unity of this meeting or this fellowship, that my personal recovery depends on my relationship with God. (laughs) Because there are times when the unity is absolutely, there is no unity, and if I'm going to go out and drink or use because everything's messed up. That's right. And and within a family, I mean, I'll give you a picture. Yes, my first husband wouldn't speak to me when I came home from a meeting. Would not speak to me. Wow! How come? He was mad. Mm. He was mad. He didn't want. He didn't. I mean, he didn't understand alcoholism. I can't say that I, I did everything right. Um, you know, I thought he was the alcoholic. I mean, he was not an alcoholic. Um, he was embarrassed. Uh, I guess. I mean, he was mad. My kids were two and or three and four. I'm trying to think how they were. Uh, they just turned four, and um, they would stand at the door and cry. Mommy, don't leave. Uh-huh. Ooh, boy, that's tough. And I would go to one meeting a week, and I'm sitting in that meeting, and all I can think about is going home. And and I, and I would go to a meeting when the kids were bathed and fed, and he just had to put them to bed. That was it. Yeah. weren't missing but a few minutes of time with me, but they didn't want me to leave. And I remember I was about, you know, my family uh, in Texas was, they're like, okay, she has, she's having a nervous breakdown because they didn't see me drink. Okay, I was a closet drinker. They they did not, they had no idea. They had no idea. It's not how much you drink, it's, it's what it does to you when you're drinking. And I was the good girl. I was the cheerleader. I made the good grades. And I blame my, you know, stealing the parents' alcohol on my brother, who was, you know, they could easily believe. And they just couldn't, they just, they thought I was just having a nervous breakdown. And, and he, you know, for me not to drink, we we partied. I mean, we partied before we got married and when we got married. And for me not to be drinking was the end of our partying. What's what's going to happen? Mm. And and again, my alcoholism lasted uh, where I crossed the line of no return less than a year. But I couldn't take it. That death is it was like a soul death. Because what I wanted more than anything was an intimate relationship with God and a true, living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. More than anything. As well as being a mother and a wife. And I just, my demon was not knowing my place in this world. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I knew that when God failed, alcohol would be there 24-7. Sure. And that's what I finally came to. And and so my drinking period, I mean, I abused alcohol in high, high school and pretty much quit drinking or, or didn't or social drinking uh, for a couple of years. But for about 10 months before I stopped drinking, it was when I picked up a drink, I didn't know am I going to have one or 10. 
know, what is my behavior going to be like? That I could no longer count on, and that's alcoholic drinking. And I knew I needed help and I, because I knew my dependence was on alcohol. I knew I got up and I looked forward to that drink at the end of the day. And when that ended, our social life ended, our relationship revolved around that. And, and I remember coming home, and I was probably, I'll say, nine months into my recovery. And again, going to one meeting a week, but talking to my sponsor probably three times a day. Because I couldn't go more than one time a week. I couldn't deal with it. Hmm. I could not deal with the pain of coming home. And here I am for the first time in my life standing up and saying, this is what is good for me. And taking care of me, not to making you responsible but taking responsibility for me and having no support. The pain was almost unbearable. And I came home one night from a meeting, uh, from my Friday night meeting, and he was asleep on the couch, and I still had my Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey because they had quit importing it, and I just couldn't imagine pouring it down the sink. Had to give it away. And I went into the liquor cabinet, which was over the stove, that was the cabinet. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I took down that drink, that, that, that whiskey, and I took the top off, and I put it up to my nose, and I smelled it, and I said, God, help me. Mm. God, help me. And I did not, I did it, but it was not of my own accord, my own power. My hand put the lid back on and put it back up, and I went into the living room, and I sat down, and I just started sobbing. So deep was that pain. And the pain was not because he was mad at me or he was sleeping on the couch. You know what that pain was? Mm. It was the first time in my life that I cared enough about me to not pick up a drink. I finally cared about me. I finally loved me enough through God's power to not pick up a drink. Wow. And I had been absent of self-love for so many years that at that moment I was sobbing because I cared enough to not drink. Hmm. And if listeners are going, I mean, hopefully there's a listener out there that understands what I'm saying because we hear people that go out and drink and go, you know what, I drank because nobody cares whether I'm sober or not. And you know what, until I care, yeah. <laughs> when life throws me a curveball, you know what, some of those people may or may not care. And there are times, and and there was one recently, I needed to know, my kids are adults, they're grown adults, I needed to know they cared, Mm -hmm. because I was hurting. And I called them and I just asked them, flat up, does it matter that I've been sober all these years? You know what my son said? Hmm. He said, well, I don't know. I don't know the difference. Wow. I don't know what it's like, but I do know that there have been some wonderful people that have come into our lives that you've met through the fellowship of AA. That's what I know. And my daughter, same thing. I just know what it's like. Yeah. I know what I have. You know, and they 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 do know because they have friends. Mhm. You know, and they're adults enough and you know, so this person
personal recovery, depending upon unity, I see, I don't think that's how it says. It says personal recovery depends upon AA unity. The AA group will fall apart, and eventually that family will fall apart. Mine did. We got a divorce when I was, uh, when we'd been married eight years because there was not a family that had embraced the spiritual principles when when the change occurred um you know he honestly preferred me not recovering mm. i mean that's sad to say i mean we became very we were very good friends and and he joined the fellowship in a different fellowship later which really made me mad <laughs> <laughs> You know, but a family that wants to stay together has got to be unified. And if your child is, if you don't know if your child is is using or not or has a drug and alcohol problem, pay attention, educate yourselves. And, and here's what I have found in Al-Anon and in Families in Recovery, I think families in recovery is for parents of children who have a drug and alcohol problem. Is the number one thing that keeps parents from embracing the spiritual principles and and having a and and unifying. It's like if my kid would just not drink or do drugs, our family would be just fine. It's the identified problem. You can say that about, well, if my dad just didn't drink or if my mom, you know, that's the identified problem. But this is a family disease. And the number one thing that I have found that keeps parents in denial and keeps the sole responsibility on their child for the recovery and the healing of their family is guilt. Mm. Is, is guilt, displaced guilt. It's my fault that he used drugs. It's my fault that he lies. It's my fault he's in jail. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do if he goes to prison? He'll die. Yeah. You know, it's guilt and fear. And you know what? If I can get through it, anybody can get through it. As long as we practice a program of recovery, we, we will die we will die, and the family will die if there is no personal recovery and there's no unity. And, I, and when I say unity, I don't mean we're all going to support you in recovery. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of yeah. a cheap shot and a it cheap, a cheap way shot. out. <laughs> but if you go by, and, and the very last thing that it says in Tradition 1 is it, it says, uh, you know, where it talks about, um, you know, that our common welfare comes first. And it says none might become selfish of water or bread when they were in the in the ocean, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to think about and consider other people. And our faith uh, is where we find our real strength. Uh, and then it says... And this they did find in measure to transcend all the defects of their fail craft. <laughs> Say that's your family. Every test of uncertainty, pain, fear, and despair, and even the death of one. Says thus has it been with AA. By faith and by work we have been able to build upon the lessons of an incredible experience. They live today in the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, which, God willing, shall sustain us in unity for so long as he may need us. Amen. So God <laughs> sustains, yeah. us sustains us in unity when we have set aside selfishness, self-seeking, personal wants, and we see ourselves as as a unified group, a unified family who is committed to practicing these 
principles of unselfishness, of courage, of honesty, of willingness, of I'm going to stand by my brother. I'm going to go to school with my sibling, and I'm going to sit next to him or her at, work, at school when no one else will. I'm, I'm going to be a unified sibling, and I'm going to stand up and stand by my brother and sister no matter what. Mm-hmm. And we are a unified family, and we have a principle that we live by, and that is we stand on and depend on God. We are out of time, and uh, I just want to say that if you're out there and you are experiencing uh, a unified front, if you've got a family and and you guys are, are doing the deal and you know what it is, share it with somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. Do it like Carol is doing right now and, and pass it on. Don't depend just on this show. Um, pass it on. you got to pass it on. There's a lot of families out there that aren't unified because of fear or they just don't know how to be. They don't know what to do. They and and to Google, do. you know, family meetings. Mm-hmm. Have a family meeting once once a week, and 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 you may have eyes rolling. Go, oh, this is so stupid, da, 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 da. <laughs> you know. But somebody's got to buckle up and go. We're doing this. We're doing this. Yep. You know, this is important, and that is leading the family. The stronger, the strong one has got. You know, it's like if you're in the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, Moses led the people. Someone's got to take the lead. Yeah. You know, and if you're 16 and you see your family drowning because they're trying to do it apart, you do it. Mm-hmm. Some, and then trust that God will sort it out and, and parents will become parents and kids will become kids. But somebody's got to take the lead. And, and if you will ask, for the power of God to aid you, to guide you, to inspire you, then it will happen. Yeah. Amen. And my family, by the way, is happy. I'm in recovery, and there are a number of people in recovery today. <laughs> <laughs> and they're glad you are. <laughs> and they're glad I am. <laughs> All right. Carol, thank you for another wonderful show. Uh, and uh, in this case, Tradition 2. And, uh, folks, if you uh, want to listen to Tradition 1, all you got to do is click on the little post button on the podcast uh, box there or go to Take12Radio.com and click on uh, the past shows link and scroll down to Saturday and you'll find a podcast box and click on posts and you can listen to Tradition 1. And as we go on further and further... Uh, we want to make available to you Tradition 1 through 12, how to apply that in your personal life and family uh, when we're all finished, and we'll put a little package together, and we'll let you know how you can purchase those. And the money will go directly to uh, helping support this show. We need your sponsorship for this show, my friends. And we've, yep. been, we've been saying it, and I'm not hearing from you, and I know there's somebody out there that God has in mind that is putting it on your heart. Um, this stuff doesn't isn't free it costs money to run this this radio station and this show nobody's getting rich nobody's getting paid but uh we do need to pay our bills we need to be self-supporting and that means that uh, those of you who listen those of you who are advocates of people in recovery um we uh, will take your donations gladly and in that way we st- stay self-supporting thanks carol you're welcome, and have a safe week next week, and I can't wait to, for you to come back, and we'll go on Tradition 2 in two weeks, and hopefully we'll hear from some listeners and your responses and questions, comments. We always love to hear. So yep. have a great two weeks, and I will talk to you when you get back. All right, super. Friends, don't forget, uh, we want to send you this, uh, this Bible on CD. You've got the time, it is called, and it is the uh, the uh, New Testament, only 28 minutes a day. Let us know. It's called Faith Comes by Hearing. If you like one of these, we get one of these out a week. Just email me at take12radio at comcast.net. 
and uh, we'll send one out to you, okay? And also, if you've got a big book you're not using, please email recoveryworld at charter.net, and they'll tell you how they you can uh, get that to them. Folks, until our next broadcast of the Carol Ann Preston Show, this is the Monty Man, along with Carol Ann Preston. We're wishing God's serenity for you. Bye-bye now. Bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.